0: So you've made it, gang. We're here. It's a Friday, and I want to talk to you about something that's been disturbing me for a long time. And no, I'm not talking about my loss of hair. I'm talking about the fact that the left is is moving in significant fashion to impact how we raise our kids. There was a tweet yesterday that really got under my skin. It's from my senator here in the state of California. She was the attorney general here uh, she's a garbage senator. She was a garbage attorney general, and she's probably going to be a garbage presidential candidate. She's obviously looking toward running it in 2020. And there's always been this very weird relationship between the left and kids uh, when it comes to politics. Hillary Clinton made her bones on this book. It takes a village all about how it really took all of us to define how we were going to raise particular children. They weren't your children. They were the village's children. And then you see people on the left who don't care about unborn children, suggesting that they're the only ones who care about children. So Kamala Harris tweets this out yesterday. She tweeted out, children are our nation's future. We must listen to them about what they care about and give them a voice in our government. So again, weird that she doesn't care about them up till the point where they're born. You know, up till that point, you can kill them at will. And in fact, if you stand in the way of somebody killing them at will, that means you're a bad person. But also this notion that children are the nation's future. And so we have to listen to them about what they care about and give them a voice in our government. Um no. So, one of the big problems in Western civilization has been this, this weird notion that's really cropped up since Rousseau in the early in the early 19th century that children are worth listening to. Okay, children are worth taking seriously. Their questions are worth answering. I treat my three-year-old with great seriousness. When she asks me a question, I try to give her the most factual answer that I can provide. But if she were to give me world advice, I would say you're three. Sit down and eat your crackers, okay? It's ridiculous for anyone to suggest that children are what should be defining voice in government. See, the first sentence is that children are our nation's future. That's true. They are not our present, okay? They are not our nation's present. It is your job as an adult to help civilize children. Have you ever met a child? I wonder if people on the left have ever met a child, like really met a child. Children are the worst people on earth. Okay, they're wonderful, and they are also the worst people on earth. They have no prefrontal cortex development. They don't have the capacity for inhibition. That means that your child does stuff, or if an adult did it, you would immediately have them carted off to jail. Like on a routine basis. Children smack each other. Okay, if you're an adult and you just walked up to people and smacked them for no reason, they would go to jail for that. Right, children routinely take other people's property and break it. Children scream at you. Okay, children are little jobs. they're, They're awesome. They're wonderful. But that's also because you know they're going to develop beyond that. If they're 20 and still acting like they're three, that means they're a garbage human being. The whole point of civilization is to civilize children. Your job as a parent is to civilize children and to make them better people because children are not instinctively good. Rousseau wrote this, Jean-Jacques Rousseau wrote this book called Emile, uh, which was, it was a novel about a child who is basically left free in the state of nature. Rousseau's whole theory is that in a state of nature, man is inherently good, and then the state puts us all in chains, right? Man is free, and everywhere he is in chains, this is Rousseau's theory. And so what he says in Emile is basically if you just let a child wander around in nature, and that child would become a noble savage. That child would be a beautiful, wonderful person capable of navigating the vicissitudes of life. Absolute nonsense. Number one, if you leave a three year old alone in nature, the kid will be dead in two days. Number two, if you leave a 10 year old alone in nature, the kid will turn into something from Lord of the Flies, killing animals and other children. The idea that people are born civilized is just stupid. That's the whole point of civilization. It's what religion is based on. Religion is based on the notion that you, as an adult, have to civilize and raise your children and you have to acclimate them to acting morally. It's not something that is inborn, it's not something that is inbred. Okay, the fact is that. Uh, there, there's a concept in, in Jewish law, it's called Tino kshinishba. Okay, it means literally a baby that was found. So there are certain basic rules in Judaism that you're not supposed to violate, and even if you're not Jewish, you're not supposed to violate these rules, and these are simple ones like don't murder people, don't commit idolatry, right? these are certain basic rules for everyone. If you want to get into heaven, according to Judaism, you don't have to be Jewish, but you do have to fulfill what they call the seven mitzvos of, of Noah, you have to fulfill the seven commandments of Noah, right? because Noah existed before the Torah had been given. These are commandments that you're supposed to be able to suss out from the surrounding universe. But if you don't actually do a lot of the, let, let's say there's a uh, kid who's born Jewish, right? Born to a Jewish family and left in the middle of nowhere and doesn't fulfill any of the 613 mitzvot any of the 613 commandments. That's where this concept of Tino Shanishba comes in. We don't blame that person because that kid was basically like a kid who was found in the woods right? is Mowgli. So you don't expect Mowgli to be civilized. And in fact, there was the, you remember a few years ago, there was this story about a, a little girl who was basically left alone for years and years and years. They found her when she was like 12 years old, and she acted like an animal. What else would you expect her to do? She was, she was growing up in a place that was basically surrounded by animals. How you raise your children matters. This idea that children are going to—that they, they have some sort of God-given innocence and wisdom that is, that is something that we should listen to. No, they have a God-given wonder about the world that is— amazing to behold and lovely, and it reminds you how beautiful life is because when you view the world through a child's eyes, it reminds you that things around you are really cool and really interesting, but kids' moral notions are usually really, really stupid because kids are little immoral cretins. Okay? They only get smart later. Again, their brains are not developed to the point where they can actually have smart moral thoughts. Okay? This is why even teenagers are not really developed to the point where they have smart moral thoughts. The, the, the reason that teenagers act like idiots all the time is because their amygdala, which is their emotion center in their brain, is overdeveloped, and their prefrontal cortex, which is the inhibition center, is underdeveloped. So that's why, that's why teenagers do stupid stuff. So when she says, we have to give children a voice in our government, what, do you want three-year-olds to vote? But what, what, what really underlies this perception? What really underlies this perception? The left doesn't really believe that children ought to be making their own decisions. The left believes that they ought to be making decisions for your children. And the left doesn't believe that children ought to be making decisions for society. They believe that they ought to be making decisions for your children. And the only reason that your children are growing up in the way they are is because of you. You are the problem. If they were allowed to raise your children, then everything would be fine. Now, they can't just say that. If you're, if you're on the hard left, you can't just say this. You can't just say, listen, I think I'm going to do a better job raising your kid than you will. You can't say that because, number one, it's not true. And number two, it makes you a jackass. Now, if you come to me and you say, I'm going to raise your kid better than you will, then I would say to you, you can go take a hike, son. And if you tried to take my kid from me, I'd meet you at the front door with a shotgun. So what does the left do instead? What instead they do is they say, children are beautiful, innocent little creatures, but fully capable of making their own decisions. And if you inhibit the decision-making process of a three-year-old, then you are the villain. We must step in to protect the independence of the three-year-old. Right? We're basically the American government fighting the British. We're stepping in to protect the citizen. The citizen is the three-year-old. We have to protect that three-year-old from you. The oppressive, evil parent who's putting your notions about God and heaven and hell on kids. How dare you do all of these things? It's because of you that your kid is growing up with all of these problems. If your kid were just allowed to make their own decisions, just like Emil, then everything would be fine. And it's our job to step in and make sure that kids can make their own decisions. That's how you end up with idiocies like this story from Rockland Academy School's which is a Sacramento area charter school. This is a Paul Bois of, uh, of Daily Wire reporting. A kindergarten teacher at Rockland Academy Schools, a Sacramento area charter school, recently held a transition ceremony to celebrate what she believed was the transgenderism of a five-year-old boy in her class who fancies himself a girl, and she did it without obtaining consent from or even notifying parents. Facing legal trouble from parents rightly outraged over having their children exposed to transgenderism without their knowledge, Rockland Academy Schools maintains they had no obligation to inform the parents since California laws require consent only in matters of sex education. So let me get this straight. It's not sex education when when you decide to tell a five-year-old boy that it can be a five-year-old girl. The lesson, they say, had to do with gender identity, which the school claims falls under tolerance and diversity curricula. The students who took part in the ceremony were reportedly left shaken and disturbed. Yes. If somebody if somebody did this to my kid, if somebody lives seriously, if somebody did this to my kid, they would be in physical danger from me. Like, that, like if you did this to my kid, if you decided to take my parenting power away from my child from me and and pretend that you are going to raise my child as the opposite sex and thereby stamp their their psyche with gender confusion and put the premature of societal approval on that gender confusion, you're doing something truly evil. And Jonathan Keller is a representative for California Family Group, who's a, a group involved in counseling some of the kids. He said, parents only learned of the ceremony from their kids, which began with a lesson on transgenderism that involved two books, I Am Jazz and The Red Cran," that were both about the subject. I Am Jazz, of course, is about that, that kid who's on reality TV, who, quote, from the time she was two years old, Jazz knew that she had a girl's brain in a boy's body. Again, this is biologically incorrect, and it's asinine. Okay, there is no such thing as a girl's brain in a boy's body Again, because, and that's true because you don't actually have evidence of what a girl's brain looks like. It's so funny, the feminists who say there is no difference between a girl's brain and a boy's brain, suddenly they go completely silent when you say it's a girl's brain and a boy's body. You have to show me the actual parts of the brain that operate more like a girl's than a boy's, and then we can decide whether or not this is true. It is possible that there are people who have brain development that is more similar to a girl than a boy. Those would presumably be genetically intersex people. But the idea that any boy is capable of having a girl's brain in his body if he thinks it so... Not real. But again, this is the left saying that parents can't have a say in their own child's future because we're defending the children. Don't you understand? We're defending their innocence. Do you understand that by suggesting that a child makes their own decision, you are ripping away their their innocence? The hallmark of adulthood is the capacity to make your own decision. The hallmark of childhood is to be free not to make your own decisions on matters of weighty import. That's what parents are for. It's your job to have fun. It's your parents' job to take care of you. And it's your job to learn. And that's what being a child is all about. But the left has reversed its polarity now. Adults never have to take responsibility for their decisions, but children are to be left alone to make their own decisions. And if you intervene as a parent, you're the bad guy. The ceremony, getting back to the ceremony in this kindergarten class, LifeSite News described it this way. After the teacher introduced the five-year-old student to the class as a boy, he then went into the bathroom and emerged addressed as a girl. The teacher then reintroduced her to the children, explaining that she was now a girl who now had a girl's name and was to be called that from now on. According to Keller, who's this guy from the family group, he said kids were left really deeply emotionally bothered and traumatized. There were several of the little girls that went to their parents and were crying, saying, Mommy or Daddy, am I going to turn into a boy? This is evil. It's evil. OK, teachers who are teaching entire classrooms of small children that they can magically transform into members of the opposite sex. Okay, It's so funny. These people will say that if you teach people about religion, that that's teaching them myth. That if you teach them about Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, that that's myth. Okay, This is significantly more mythical because it runs absolutely counter to biology. And the idea that kids are not malleable when it comes to sexual orientation, they're not malleable when it comes to gender identity, there's no science that demonstrates that at all. None. Okay, there, there may be genetic predispositions for transgenderism. There may be. There may be genetic predispositions on sexual orientation. But to suggest that environment plays no part is to ignore every single piece of available data ever. Like all of it. Not some of it. All of it. And yet this is what they say because there's an agenda, right? The agenda is to make it clear to children that gender identity is fluid. This is one of the things the left wants to do is tear down the basic building blocks of Western civilization in order to build something anew. If we're all widgets, if we're all just claymation figures in their little little parable of life, then they get to morph us however we want. They get to mold us and morph us however they want. And that means taking over our children and using them against us. Uh, and using them against our standards of right and wrong. So the, the left, which will say that they have the power to go in and tell your five-year-old child that he may be a girl, right? this is the same left that says that if a teacher preys on the 50-yard line, that that teacher ought to be fired. There's a case out in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals today, it's an amazing case. Okay, Bremerton School District uh, is, a, is a school district in Washington State, and uh, the assistant football coach at one of their high schools a guy named Joseph Kennedy prayed at the 50-yard line after football games and before them as well. Students frequently joined him. He would also give them religiously-oriented motivational speeches. The school district tried to punish him for doing this. He settled for praying alone after games, but then he began praying at the 50-yard line before everyone had gone home. So instead of waiting till everyone leave, left and then praying at the 50-yard line, he would go over right after the game. The game is over. He goes over. He prays at the 50-yard line. And surprise, surprise, a lot of the kids started joining him. And people started coming down out of the stands to join him, praying on the 50-yard line. End of the world. How dare he? Public school teacher praying by himself on the 50-yard line? People joining him voluntarily must be fired. So the school district fired him. They suspended him, and then they allowed his contract to expire. So Kennedy sued. He suggested religious discrimination under the First Amendment. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found the school district had every right to dismiss Kennedy. So there were two legal questions here. Okay, first legal question was, was he a public employee? Second was, as a public employee, did he violate his job description as a public employee by doing this? So there are two separate legal questions. The court said when Kennedy kneeled and prayed on the 50 yard line immediately after games, well, in view of students and parents, he spoke as a public employee, not as a private citizen. And his speech, therefore, was constitutionally unprotected. The case they make in favor of this idea is one, he's still wearing all of his high school gear. Second, if you were just a citizen, you couldn't walk out to the middle of the 50 yard line. Right. You have to be a member of the high school staff in order to do this. So I think that this is actually legally arguable. Is he doing this as a private citizen or is he doing this? on school grounds, on school time, and therefore he's doing it as a public employee. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more confusing than that because the fact is that if you're at school, like if I'm a public school teacher, and I decided to daven mincha, which is the second Jewish prayer of the day, and I went in a broom closet somewhere and, and prayed, prayed mincha, that doesn't mean that I would necessarily be acting as a public school employee. Clearly, I'm attempting to separa- separate myself. The court found he was acting, however, in his auspices as a public school influ- uh, employee. But that isn't really the worst part. The worst part is that the court then said what he did violated his job description. Okay, praying at the 50-yard line, doing a voluntary prayer that people decide to join, violates his job description. Now, let me explain what his job description was. Okay, Kennedy's job included becoming, quote, a coach, mentor, and role model for the student-athletes. It included an explicit job requirement to attempt to create both good athletes and good human beings. It's directly in his job description. Kennedy's postgame prayers originally lasted a grand total of 30 seconds. They were a brief, quiet prayer of thanksgiving for player safety, sportsmanship, and spirited competition. Over time, they morphed into motivational speeches given to students of both teams. Even people on the other team would come over because they enjoyed what he was saying about sportsmanship in the games. Students voluntarily wanted to hear him. The district suggested these activities violated school board policy that said that, quote, staff shall neither encourage nor discourage a student from engaging in non-disruptive oral or silent prayer or any other form of devotional activity. Okay, this didn't violate that. The guy literally went out to the 50-yard line, knelt down and prayed. That's it. He didn't say people have to show up. He didn't force anybody. He didn't tell people that if they showed up, then they, if they didn't show up, then they'd be kicked off the team or suspended. The school board openly acknowledged that Kennedy didn't force anyone to pray with him. But the school board insisted that Kennedy not allow students to pray with him at all. That he should forcibly turn them away. That if he goes to the 50-yard line and kneels down, and he starts to pray, and a bunch of students crowd around him, that This is some sort of evil that he's violated his public school duties, and he should tell them forcibly get out of here. You're not allowed to be here. They said any activity had to be, quote, physically separate from any student activity and students may not be allowed to join such an activity. So what actually started all of this? What actually started all of this is, of course, he did this 50 yard prayer thing and the Satanists being good Satanists, devotees of Satan, suggest that they wanted their own right to pray on the field. Because obviously there's no difference between Satanists praying on the field and people of Judeo-Christian values praying on the field. Not all religions are created equal in quality. Okay, if you're going to bring up a child in the church of Satan, I don't think that child ends up exactly the same as if you bring the, the average child, as if you bring up a child in the, in the Judeo-Christian value system. If it were, then Satanism would have created the greatest civilization in the history of mankind. It didn't. Okay, so the district responded by telling Kennedy he had to pray only when the stadium was empty. He disobeyed and he started praying right after the games because he said, listen, it doesn't make any sense for me to pray an hour after the game on the 50 yard line. The game just ended. I want to thank God for a good game and for everyone staying safe. Now's a good time to do it. So the court found in favor of the district. So as I say, first they found that he was a public employee. They said the speech at issue is directly at least in part to the students and the surrounding spectators. It is not solely speech directed to God. So this is really dicey territory the court is getting into right now. They're saying that his prayer was directed as a public school employee at others hey, I wear a yarmulke. I wear it around. It's a public sign of my faith. Millions and millions and millions of Americans, including many people on the left, wear crosses around their neck. That is a public proclamation of faith. Is that them privately saying, I believe in Jesus if you wear the cross, or I believe in the Jewish God if you you wear a yarmulke? Or is that me preaching to you? Do you feel preached to every time I wear my yarmulke? Because if you do, I would suggest that maybe you need to get a life. If you feel preached to because you don't like what I wear on my head, then this is because you're a loser. Okay? And if you feel preached to because a high school coach by himself goes to the 50-yard line and prays, then you are a doofus and a loser and you need to get a life. But obviously that's not the priority here. The court said, by kneeling and praying on the 50-yard line immediately after games, Kennedy was fulfilling his professional responsibility to communicate demonstratively to students and spectators. Yet he took advantage of his position to press his particular views upon the impressionable and captive minds before him. So they're saying, okay, so his viewpoint means something because he was acting as an employee. That brings us to the second question. And the second question is, did that violate his job, which is to create better human beings and better students? We'll get to that in one second. First, I want to say thank you to a new sponsor, The Tides of History. You can go to the Apple podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Tides of History. It's a brand new podcast. It's really great. I've listened to a few episodes of it. It asks you, why are there states, countries, taxes, wars? And it traces the history of all of the institutions under which we currently live all the way back to the 13th and 14th centuries. He takes on time periods from the fall of Rome and the rise of the early modern empire. He talks about the roots of the modern world. How did capitalism start? How did global trade start? Right, All the questions, all of the main concepts that underlie shows like mine begin with shows like Tides of History. What are the roots of all the things that we discussed here on the show? What are the roots of the American founding tradition? What are the roots of the left? All of these things can be found hundreds and hundreds of years ago. History is not just a blank slate every time somebody is born. History pre-exists you and it has an impact on you and it has an impact on the civilization in which you live. That's what Tides of History is there to teach. Now, this could be really dry stuff. It isn't. It's really entertaining. It's a really good listen. It, 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 this all talks about the period of time during the Renaissance, just before the Enlightenment, which is a really kind of under-examined period of history. We all like to look at Enlightenment philosophers. We all like to look at, um, at the—some uh, people like to look at the Dark Ages, the so-called Dark Ages of the Roman Empire. But the period of time that's most ignored is the Renaissance, and that really was the birthplace of modern civilization. Go listen to the first episode of Tides of History on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts or Google tides of history to find the podcast today it really is an excellent podcast i highly recommend it so go check it out okay so back to this back to this story Um, so this coach kennedy kneels on the 50-yard line and the court has decided that he's a public employee which as i say is main that may be arguable and he's a public employee was he a public employee who was acting under private auspices or was he a public employee who was doing basically preaching and so here's what the court said and even if he was doing preaching was it violating his job description like if I, if I go into a classroom and I say, listen, the Judeo-Christian value system is the best value system and it generates better human beings. Is that preaching or is that teaching? Now, I would suggest that living in a Western civilization that is based on Judeo-Christian tradition, that would actually be teaching, not preaching. I'm not saying you have to believe in the Bible. I'm not saying you have to believe that God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. I am saying that those beliefs were the foundation stone of Western civilization, which is true. Okay, so Judge Milan D. Smith wrote this in concurrence, and this is the crux of the matter. He writes, the context would bolster the perception that the district was endorsing religion. Here it is. Okay, Here's the key point. Irrespective of the district's views on that matter, a reasonable observer would conclude in light of the history and context surrounding Kennedy's conduct that the district in actuality favors religion and prefers Christianity in particular. Hey, okay, listen, teachers don't have the absolute right to do and say as, what they want as employees of school districts. Did they have the right to fire this guy? Maybe, but to suggest they have an obligation to fire him, that's what the court's now saying. Not just that they had the right, but they had the obligation. Because no public school teacher can pray on the 50-yard line without imposing his religious views on others. Let's make something absolutely clear. That is an imposition of a religious view on others. That ruling is an imposition of a secular religious view on others. It is the imposition of the idea that religion must be disfavored. That the First Amendment must be applied in reverse. That freedom of religion is not to be protected. That instead, we have to disestablish, forcibly disestablish anybody's religious belief, no matter whether they're forcing it on anybody or not. Again, this isn't even the equivalent of the guy going into the classroom and and preaching. This is the equivalent of him doing something. People are free to show up or not show up. It's voluntary. For the left, the presence of religion itself is insulting. So how does this tie in with the broader argument about children? Here's what the left is seeking to do. They're seeking to say that a, that a five-year-old can be taught by their teacher without parental permission that he is a she, but a 15-year-old cannot have the option of praying at the 50-yard line with a coach. That's an agenda, folks. Okay, that's not about protecting the innocence of children. It's about depriving them of certain types of choice that they don't like and giving them types of choice that they do like. And When I say types of choice, I mean screwing them up permanently in many cases because it is important to promulgate a leftist view of social politics. That's scary stuff. And you know that's, that's got to be fought at every turn by, by good, uh, good-willed people who are parents. Okay? I'm a parent. You try to do this to my kid. You try to do this to my kid. You wonder why people are taking their kid out of public school and sending them to private school. You wonder why people are retreating from the public square. You wonder why the fever pitch of politics is so high right now. It's because of garbage like this. People feel that their children are being threatened by outsiders who think that they know how to raise their children better than I do. You don't even know my kids' names. You don't know their birthdays. You don't know a damn thing about them. You don't care about them. There's a point that Phil Graham made at one point. There was some, some lefty that he was, he was interviewing on a Senate committee, uh, and, and the senator was questioning the, the leftists. And the leftist said, I care about your children as much as you do. And Phil Graham said, what are their names? That's exactly right. Parents have the ability to raise their children, and not only the ability, the duty. You have the duty to raise your child, and you have the duty to raise your child under a rubric of values that makes them a better human being. That is your charge in this life. For for our society to ignore that and fight actively against it is a true evil, and what we're looking at right now is a serious battle against truth and decency. Just horrifying.